The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day. Welcome to the program. Oh, I only has said one g'day. I forgot the second g'day. G'day, g'day. Uh, welcome to the program. Sorry, you caught me out. I was busy doing things leading up to our second hour on the show, but uh, good to have your company. Fabulous Friday, where I'm broadcasting from in Sydney. It's just gone 3 p.m. in Sydney town in Australia, hot and sunny in Sydney. One of those uh, very hot Decembers at the moment, which we love down under. Uh, just gone 4 a.m. in London and still, of course, uh, Thursday night in the United States. Good to have your company. We've got plenty to get to because there's a lot of news happening in just about every continent on earth. I want to discuss the state of the wind farm industry in this edition because despite all of this rah-rah and high-fiving as a result of COP28 in Dubai over a pledge to triple renewables, Wind turbine projects are actually facing a multitude of problems, uh, environmental problems, replacement problems big time, and there's a story in Spain I'll tell you about that highlights this, and a stack of problems for companies who have wanted to set up projects, but of course with the current economy and high inflation, et cetera, the economic conditions are really bad um, to put money on the line. And there's some examples of that in terms of wind farm technology and projects off the coast of New Jersey. We'll talk about this. My special guest today is Republican lawyer Ed Martin. We've got him back on the program. He has his own views on green evangelism and what he has seen and heard out of Op28. We'll also discuss the performance of presidential hopeful Vivak Ramaswamy. Now, have you seen any of Vivak's... Um, Lively debating, that's a nice way to put it. Um, it was sort of ranting and counter-ranting at some occasions in this town hall uh, forum that he was part of on CNN. It, between he and the host, like there were times there when they were talking over each other, not for 10 seconds or five seconds. They were talking over each other for 45 seconds, and it was really hard to listen to. But we'll play something for you based on what he said about January the 6th, which the host challenged him about. We've got the Biden impeachment inquiry to unpack with Ed and the legal onslaught against Donald Trump to stop his bid from getting anywhere near the White House. Is it over before it's begun? Well, Ed Martin thinks it is, and he'll explain to us today why. On the Middle Eastern front, we've got the US warning once again that Israel should stop uh, waging its full-blooded attacks. Now, that would be an inch short of recommending a ceasefire, I would have thought. We've had two major police operations in Europe, one in Germany and the other in Denmark, and a total of nine terror suspects arrested, and they have, all have links to Hamas according to separate police departments. There's no word yet on whether the two cases are linked, uh, but we'll catch up with former military intelligence officer Shane Healy. He'll go through those cases for us and also talk about what's happening on the actual battlefield and whether there'll be a multinational naval force formed in the next week which could uh, get together and... Um, 
work within the Red Sea region. We'll find out whether that will happen. And from down under, a special guest today, former newsman and radio talkback host Jason Morrison will join us on the program. Now, I've got to say for the second week running, John Ruddick is on Argentinian duties. Yes, he's just flying back from Argentina and due back in Australia over the weekend. So we miss out on John once again on his uh, Argentinian journey, but he'll have plenty to tell us next week on the program. Um, with Jason, we'll discuss the warning from an eminent Australian against the current massive immigration rates being applied by the federal government. Historian Geoffrey Blaney says 50 styles migrant waves will hurt this nation because we are not as ready as we were in the 50s. We'll also talk about the cracks appearing in the relationship between the United States and Australia and the defamation case of the decade. It just gets bigger and bigger, this does. Uh, TV host Lisa Wilkinson let fly in court today, and we'll cover some of that for you when I catch up with Jason Morrison. And to add a little bit of icing on the cake, hopefully we've got some of you letting rip, letting me know exactly what you think about some of these major issues doing the rounds. There's no ceiling on opinion, of course, so we're fairly um, excited about having you on those talkback lines. And you can phone in from the United States or Canada on one 888 from the UK, 33 And from Australia and New Zealand, one 800 you're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting from Sydney, Australia, live on the Global News Talk Network, TNTradio.live. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So another climate conference is uh, wrapping up for another year and 118 countries are now about to get back to where they came from, back to their home countries and allocate three times more subsidies, more support for renewable sources. Now, this will primarily be driven by those new gigantic wind turbines, absolutely everywhere, absolutely anywhere, and as far as the eye can see. These are made out of steel. They're made out of fiberglass, resin, plastic, iron, copper, and or aluminium. There's nothing too green about manufacturing turbines. They're expensive too, by the way with huge rotors, as you know, made only from the broad power of coal and gas. How ironic is that? Um, greenies don't like talking about that, though. And because they all need to be firmed to transfer their smaller amount of power to standard grids, governments need to lay entire networks of transmission lines just to accept that power. Uh, and, of course, many of these transmission lines in big countries like Australia, have to go over arable farmland, which is not going down too well at all. And then they need to be replaced every 20 years. And Spain is going through that right now. Uh, do not fall for the political fallacy that this is the cheapest power in the world. That is a lie. That is a lie. Um, you know, you've got all this wind evangelism saying, oh, look, the sun is free and the wind is free. Well, hang on a second. That's only one small part of harvesting power. You've got to build the wind turbines. You've got to build the solar panels. How are you going to do that? I've just explained how it's done. It's not green at all. Uh, you've, then you've got to replace it every 20 years. Terrific. And then they're expensive to build, expensive to lay down transmission lines for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres. 
Like they don't talk about this stuff. And recycling is not as easy as they told us it would be. Now, the latest example of the frailties of replacing wind farms comes from Spain. About 36% of energy generating wind turbines in that country will be decommissioned within five years. They started early, um, but they've got to replace them within five years as they become obsolete. That's according to the Wind Energy Association. You can look this up. This translates to around 7,500 wind turbines and 20,000 blades. Where does that all go? Well, it goes into a big tip somewhere. That seems to be the experience in the United States, and I've told you about that before, but it'll go into scrap, apparently, that will have to be all dismantled and then transported and then processed posing a significant logistical and environmental challenge. The most challenging aspect of disposal is the fiberglass blades of the turbines, which only very few landfills in the world accept. But listen to this. The wind industry in Europe is facing billion euro losses, mainly due to competition from China which has better access to resources and offers lower prices, according to the newspaper El Economista. And then there's the other environmental barrier to operating wind turbines at all, bird life. I want to take you to Tasmania. A requirement for a proposed 100 turbine wind project in Tassie has been embroiled in an expensive legal case to see how long each year it needs to shut down. Yeah. The $1 billion-plus project on Robins Island in Bass Strait has been ordered to shut down for five months of the year, uh, talk about unreliable, to allow the orange-bellied parrot to migrate through the area. Now, the latest is that the five-month ban has been lifted by a court only a few days ago, but a Green Foundation, the Bob Brown Foundation, has vowed to appeal the decision. And there are dozens of similar projects on the east coast of Australia facing similar fauna impediments, and the locals are up in arms. Meanwhile, in the United States, plans to build two large-scale wind farms off the coast of New Jersey have been scrapped by Danish company Orsted. It will write off as much as $5.6 billion because you've got high inflation, uh, soaring interest rates that have made the project no longer profitable. It's scrapped. And as these projects fall over, and as the real cost of renewables is exposed, because we're finding out some of the truth, the public is surely starting to see through the political promises of renewables. And that's certainly what the former Greenpeace co-founder, Dr. Patrick Moore, thinks. You may have heard his interview yesterday on the program. He told us yesterday the tide was turning. Are we seeing a change in government around the world, uh, which illustrates that people may be fed up with this obsession with renewables? Yes, I do see it turning around. Uh, even though all the media is on the side of these nutty things, because yeah. it makes it makes sensational news, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, we are at a real handicap with the news just being a propaganda organ for the left. Yeah. Uh, and the left tends to be not as scientific as the right, uh, either in economics or geology or ecology or whatever. Uh, they tend to be more social science oriented. And as we all know, social science can get you into a lot of trouble.
more social science, that is ideology, and not enough science and economics involved in these decisions. That's what's happening in front of our eyes. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And and I, if, I, I can say you know you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food there's nothing to eat in there i very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places and if you go into the supermarket there's only the first two aisles that have got real food the rest it's not food and i see what people buy i've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys not them don't get all excited but i have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age kate shimarani on tnt radio affordable housing we can build that sustainable housing we can build that At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. TNTRadio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Okay, let's refocus our attention on the efforts by the Republicans to impeach the U.S. president. This week, House Republicans voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. As expected, Democrats opposed the resolution, but it did pass 2-2-1 to 2-1-2, strictly along party lines. Now, in a joint statement, Republican leaders said, as President Biden continues to stonewall lawful congressional subpoenas, today's vote of the full House of Representatives authorising the inquiry puts us in the strongest position to enforce these subpoenas in court. We do not take this responsibility lightly and will not prejudge the investigation's outcome, but the evidentiary record is impossible to ignore. Let's bring in Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund to discuss this and a whole lot more. Uh, Ed is a lawyer who served as chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and as a member of the Republican National Committee. In 2016, he co-authored the New York Times bestseller, The Conservative Case for Trump. He's a board member of the Patriot Freedom Project, which provides support for the January 6th political prisoners. Ed Martin, welcome back to TNT Radio. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure to be with you. 
Just before we get to this impeachment uh, topic uh, and the progression of impeachment against Joe Biden, I do want to revert your attention to what I had to say at the beginning of the program. We've now finished with COP28. We've got resolutions yeah. about tripling renewables. We've got some uh, resolutions about tripling nuclear. Uh, they've come up with a wishy-washy kind of resolution at the <laughs> end of COP28 about transitioning away from fossil fuels. Um, what's your take on this tired and impossible attempt to yeah. change the temperature of the planet? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, I did see your uh, editorial. I saw some of uh, what you were commenting on, so I, and I was I thought you were right on. Uh, but uh, in America, we've had a movement in this country now on this issue, um, and and there's a lot more understanding of what I think my position has been and is now, and that is that there's a lot of hucksters and hoaxers. And what I mean by that is there's hucksters trying to make money off this. They're using the government handouts, you know, in the in the so-called uh, uh, the the uh, immigrate uh, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that Joe Biden passed. There was hundreds of billions of dollars of handouts, green energy handouts that just get trans trans uh, transferred to po uh, supportive universities and NGOs and all that stuff. So it's a boondoggle. It's hucksters come along and they say, oh, we'll do this and this and this. We'll have windmills here and windmills there. As you point out in your piece, they don't work very well. They're not efficient. They're not a solution. But the other one is the hoaxers. And the hoaxers have, have, have scared us in America. Too many young people are scared and they're liars. You know, they're, they're hoaxing us. They can't predict a, a year in advance, let alone the 20 year models, 30 year models. So when I see what happens at these conferences, my instinct right away is they, meaning the rest of the world is coming to take our money. Because China's not going to play by the rules. They're not going to give their money. They give a little, but they're going to do whatever they want to do. And so is Russia and others. And so I, I think, but I think we're, what I want to say to you and, and your listeners, more and more Americans, I think, understand both the huckster part of it, people getting money, and the hoax part of it, people being told we can solve a problem that we've made up. And importantly, with this amount of money. And you're like, where's that coming from? Uh, and it doesn't work. So I, I think that's a positive development, but it doesn't look like the world green movement is slowing down in their efforts. I just think the public, whether it's in America, the UK or Australia, is actually waking up that yeah. a whole renewable nirvana is not yep. value for money because it's yep. not actually reducing CO2 if you think CO2 is a nasty thing to have. That's right. I agree with you. I think that I agree with your your description of, of of a consensus. People saying this is not a solution that really works. And what is? And as you see, other parts of the world, I think France and and even Germany are talking nuclear. In America, there's been a lot of energy around this small nuclear reactors that could be much more uh, much safer and more managed. And and I'm optimistic on some of the the future around that. Just not these windmills. Uh, in America, we have such corruption around it, uh, Chris. That that you know, you, you, Democrat operatives are getting a hundred million dollars in Missouri, my home state for windmill farms. They get the money, they build the windmill farm, they flip it to a, to an energy consortium and they make a boatload of money and walk away. It's not real work. It's not real uh, stuff, but that's what they've been doing. So uh, a lot of people are sick of that. Now let's talk about impeachment. Yeah. President Biden and the White House have repeatedly misled the public, shifting the goalposts and stonewalling the investigation into the business dealings of the president alongside his son, Hunter. We heard from Hunter for the first time in a long time this week. Yeah. What will this impeachment inquiry achieve, do you think, Ed Martin? Well, Chris, you, you put your finger on it in, in our opening, in your opening introduction to this. This, th In some ways, this was a procedural step, this vote, to allow the House to 
pursue remedies to try to get more testimony because the House had to have votes on subpoenas and then go to court and say, this is a duly voted, you know, we're the, we're a branch of government, we get to call people in. So there was a sort of procedural step. Again, there's a growing sense in America of corruption. Uh, Joe Biden's story keeps changing. You know, it was initially, I never talked to my son about anything he ever did in business. Then it was, I never talked to him about how he made money and now he's qualifying. Uh, you know, the Biden laptop, which has been, you know, completely credited as real is so explosive. It's almost overwhelming to see. There's lots of heinous and terrible uh, drug addict stuff. You know, it's terrible and sad, the, the, the sex and all, but that's not what's really damning. What's really damning is this this, this sort of uh, 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 influence peddling. Maybe a lot of it's legal. You know, maybe it's not illegal to take a businessman's $10 million, but then the checks to his dad. And uh, look, a lot of Americans are looking up now and they're seeing the Biden family as an emblem. If the Kennedy Kennedy family was Camelot, which is what sort of how the 60s played out into the 80s until Teddy messed it up in a way. They're looking at Biden and they're seeing that's the swamp a lot. And that's what you do in the swamp. Your brother makes money. Your son makes money. Your, your, you know, your family's uh, living large. You buy houses. When you're out of office for 18 months as president, you buy a, a multi-million dollar house with money that you can't really show where it came from. And again, all that would be a mess except it's also happening by a guy who's making decisions about the war in Ukraine and about China. And so, and it feels like he's compromised. So I, I think we're going to still see though, Chris, I'm sorry for a long answer. We're going to still see plotting progress by the house. There's going to be hearings. There's going to be a lot of trying to generate uh, 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 specific points of evidence. What's happening politically is the bottom's going out on Biden and his numbers are down, down, down. Trump is now winning every place that he he could and even maybe should uh, by a lot. And I think there's going to become more and more pressure on the Democrats side to get Biden to, ste to step out of the office. But I don't think he will. Let's get back to Hunter. Some of the things that Hunter said should have been challenged more than they were. Let me um, quote one particular sentence, he said, Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics and expose <laughs> their baseless inquiry. He's calling for an open process, <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I give him credit. He's got a lawyer that's pretty well known as a, as a smart guy. They, that, that was a good line that they're talking. Of course, they don't want transparency of anything, as you point out. But what, what he's really doing there was even in the House with the Republican majorities, in an open hearing, the Democrats would be able to sort of muck it up. And, and what, what he was requested to come in was sit across from a lawyer, a guy whose life job is to depose people and answer, you know, 10 hours worth of questions, not give me an answer and, and smile and wink and laugh and somebody comes in. No, old-fashioned depositions with a real, you know, a tail-kicking uh, lawyer who knows how to do them, and you'd get to the bottom of a lot, and, and he didn't want that. Biden is not, Hunter Biden doesn't want that, but he did a good job of the PR. He certainly, as you said, he got away with it because he gave this speech, the media covered it breathlessly, and then he walked off. He actually ran off and was gone. Off, yeah. Yeah, he did, <laughs> did. Um, I want to talk to you about, Donald Trump, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chukkan, um, agreed Wednesday to pause proceedings in former President Donald Trump's election interference case while he appeals a decision rejecting his efforts to reject the case. 
Is this a win for Trump? I can't work it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big it's a big week. It's a big week. There's two things the Supreme Court did. And let me really go quickly through them, Chris. For I I really want your listeners to know there are four cases that Donald Trump is tied up in. One in New York is about licensing, licensing your business. And no matter what happens, it's a fine. If he gets convicted, it's a fine. It's nothing else. In Florida, it's about the documents that he took home with him. And did he keep them right? It's not a real case because a president can do what he wants while he's president. It's a silly thing. They're going to try to say he lied about it. But the, and then Georgia is a, a crazy case by a local prosecutor. The one that matters is D.C., which is the one you referenced. And that D.C. case has federal prosecutors, federal laws, laws being uh, asserted, and a federal court system that is not friendly to Trump. This is big league ball. You're, you know, you're going up against the best lawyers with the, the most amount of money. And this week, two things happened. One, Trump said, I have immunity. I was president. That's the tradition in America. And the Supreme Court agreed to take that case. And when they did, the judge in D.C. said, well, I can't do anything until that case, the court says if that's true or not. I, I don't think it is, that judge said, but we got to wait. So that's on hold. So the trial date is off. There's no way it's going to be March 5th. They haven't said that yet, but it can't be because you're going to have about five or six weeks at least before we know the answer to that question. The second thing that happened, Chris, was the Supreme Court decided to take a case about one charge in all the January 6th case. It's called obstruction of official proceeding. It's never been used the way it's being used. It's a novel approach. I think it's a lie and an extension of the law. But that's another, That's what Trump is charged with in, uh, in D.C. also. And the Supreme Court said, we got to look at that. That doesn't look like it fits here is how it came across. And that will stall things again. So I, I would say today, Chris, I make a little news. Uh, Donald Trump won't be on trial in Florida or D.C., uh, at all in this before the election. It'll all be kicked past that because of the procedural stuff. Not not because he even wins those. It's just because it won't be able to do it in terms of timing. Given that, I think we can probably declare, if, 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 if what you're saying is true, we can probably declare that the Democrats' efforts to put him in jail and ensure that he can't run for president has failed. Correct. It has failed. And, and and it has failed. And Chris, you know, you're a journalist for many, many years. You sometimes can start to feel the way the wind blows, the way the dynamic has changed. And that's what's happened is that people realize not just the, the grassroots, but people that understand that the, the, the way things work, that they, they didn't get it done. They, they didn't they didn't lock it up enough to, to lock him up. And uh, and it's moving away very fast uh, from them. And they're getting more desperate. And, and, and laid over the top of that, Chris, is the, is the wildest uh, question ever can a can a really seriously addled pres 81 year old man run for re-election can can you get him removed somehow because he's not leaving and so you've got this incredible tension between the Democrats who realized we could really be in in trouble if we lose this White House and they are stuck with a candidate who doesn't look like he can f- function fully at all so um, it's it is a uh, but they have failed in their effort to stop him in fact they have so- solidified him as a kind of folk hero Trump who stands up against the swamp. You know, the same guys that are corrupt with the Hunter Biden laptop and all, Trump's standing up to them. That feels to a lot of America like a guy on their side. Exactly. They've actually secured his base. Yeah. I, I yeah. want to take a quick break and talk about Vivek Ramaswamy and a town hall um, meeting that he had this week through CNN and also electric vehicles. We're hearing all sorts <laughs> of things about this industry, but it's falling over big time. We'll come back with Ed Martin right after a news break right here on TNT. Attention! Special bulletin, special bulletin. TNT Radio News. 
Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The White House has confirmed President Biden was well aware of his son Hunter's plan to ignore this week's congressional subpoena. Donald Trump has accused President Biden of riding on the coattails of his success in the White House. We're now being told that we as humans are worsening the impacts of climate change simply by breathing. And as the war in Ukraine enters its 660th day, Russia claims to have thwarted yet another drone strike on Moscow. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. I've got Ed Martin with me now. Ed, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy had an impressive town hall display on CNN this week, and they covered everything, as you'd imagine. They Uh really took him on over January 6th, but he stood firm over the same topic. Um, I want to play you a little bit of what was said. It it went on for about eight minutes. It was riveting, but here is just a snippet of what happened on the January 6th riots. If you had told me... It's close to three years ago that January 6, 2021 happened. If you had told me three years ago, back when I was a biotech CEO, not steeped in this world, I was just consuming passive media, but was focused on my world of developing medicines. If you had told me that January 6 was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, I would have told you that was crazy talk. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years about the origin of COVID-19, about the Hunter Biden laptop that we were told was false by 51 CIA experts and otherwise before we now know that it was true. You can go straight down the list, the Trump-Russia disinformation collusion hoax, all of it. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. Now, Ed Martin, you're the January 6th expert. How did he go? (laughs) He did great. Look, Vivek Ramaswamy has been an extraordinary uh, talent in this race. You know, he's never gotten over maybe 15 percent because Trump is dominating. But Vivek Ramaswamy uh, has been so good at communicating. He's been so good at uh, taking on the question of of diversity. When the the left and the Democrats say, you know, your party is a white supremacist party, he just smiles and says, look at me. America's great. And on this question, he's been just fearless on a number of things. On this question of January 6th, he was phenomenal. And 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 he's almost made progress as he's like we all have seen more coming out in the last month or two. And he's 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 processed that to say, you know what? It's not just that I don't really believe them, it's that the whole thing was a setup. And 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 honestly, Chris, to tie it to the Whitmore, Whitmer, Governor Whitmer thing up in Michigan, where not only did we all think that was a hoax, but it turns out they went to trial and they all won. There was, there, there, it turns out there was FBI agents, informants that were running this kind of elaborate uh, hoax to make it look like the Democrat governor of Michigan was going to be kidnapped by these grassroots uh, insurrectionists. And they won. They won almost all of it. A few things they didn't. And it, more was exposed. And Vivek went right to it. He did. He's not. A, he's just not afraid. And uh, and so I. He knows yeah, the details. He does. A lot of politicians are not good on the minutia. 
Yeah, that's right. I agree with you. And he, I think, look, I think he's one of the smartest guys I've ever seen function at that level. You know, sometimes you meet a smart guy and he can't, he can't talk with any speed and, and, and any agility. Vivek is amazing. And uh, the funny thing about that to be uh, uh, also a political, he, he doesn't blast Trump. He's decided the lane he's going to take is to be Trump is great for the party. I think I'm a great guy. And then go after all these, uh, these kind of um, uh, protected uh, issues and not be afraid. And uh, it's been, it's been amazing to watch. It's been really uh, exciting. And, you know, Chris, from my standpoint, you mentioned I was on the Republican National Committee, the RNC. I, I look around and tell people, look, I don't like Nikki Haley's positions, but that's an Indian American woman up there. There's Vivek Ramashami, uh, you know, uh, a minority and a, what is he, like a Hindu or whatever. I mean, talk about diversity. I, I you know, they, they, they was, yeah, I mean, here we are. And so I think that's another part of it that's just great for people to see. And Vivek is also joyful. He, he's not a bitter guy. He's a guy that's like, hey, this is great, even when I'm uh, taking your your uh, lumps at CNN. So he's been a phenomenon. Yeah, he has. On Wednesday, the U.S. Senate voted to pass a critical defense policy. It's known as the National Defense Authorization Act, which sets the policy agenda and authorizes funding for the Department of Defense annually. It authorizes $886 billion in national defense funding, which is an increase of $28 billion over last year. I've got to think, wow, couldn't that money be better spent? <laughs> well, look, I, I, if in America we have this tradition, it's gotten maybe exacerbated in, say, in the last few years of a very dominant military, right? I think a lot of us wish we would not fight all over the world and not transfer money all over the world. And, and we haven't made much progress in, in kind of understanding how to get that budget back down. On the other hand, I will say from the standpoint of how I see our military, we need a, a, a superior, I call it military military superiority. And that does mean spending money. But the more important thing is that means understanding how to be superior. And we've got a different problem with in terms of the political correctness in the military. So I look at those numbers, uh, Chris, and I shake my head and think like you do. But um, in America, we're, we're, um, we're sort of conditioned to not be too critical because we want to be strong. But I, I think we, uh, we, we need some uh, different approaches. And, and I, I don't know when we'll get it. Maybe with Trump in his second term, we'll get some of that. Uh, just quickly on Gaza, I noticed today the New York Times running as lead story, this incredible animosity between Joe Biden and Benjamin Netanyahu at the moment. They've, yeah. they've kind of rewound and gone back on what was said initially, but it, there's clearly no love loss at the moment because of the number of Palestinian deaths. Yeah, look, I, you know, there, there is only one party in America that's in, in, in the throes of a, like a internal battle, you know, called a civil war. It's a Democrat party. This is one of the issues. They're, they're willing to a whole Kamala Harris is, is out publicly and she's talking about how we need to tone down our approach to uh, Palestine and Hamas. And that's just not where we are. I look, I think we could be more uh, frugal with our spending with Israel, but I think we all we made a decision as a, as a nation after World War Two to go this direction and we've never yielded on that. And Joe Biden has a, a terrible problem. And, and when you look at the election results and who knows what will happen, but if Joe Biden is the nominee for a second term and, and say it's, it's Trump, you look at these numbers, there's a lot of people, Jewish uh, moderates, 
who are leaving the Democrat Party because they can't stand this mealy-mouthed back and forth. This is not a debate about a border. This is a debate about a horrendous terror attack and doing something about it for the long term. That's that's what this is about at this moment. It, it could have been about other things at other times, but it, it, that's what it's about now. And the mealy-mouthed thing, you know, these Harvard uh, 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 presidents of universities that testified and they smirked and they and they they and they and they were you know parsing words and I think the American people are looking up, especially the Jewish community, and they're saying, "Is this who's in charge of our elite institutions? These these don't seem like serious people. If you want to disagree, be a serious person about it with a certain gravity and seriousness." And that's not what they're seeing. And and I think um, Israel and a lot of uh, Jewish people uh, really feel that. All right, electric vehicles. Uh, Ford Motor will cut planned production of all electric F-150 Lightning pickup trucks in roughly <laughs> half a half of next year. That is a huge cut. Is this another sign that the economics of electric vehicles yeah. just don't add up? Oh, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I'll never forget when I heard that. I had my first car that I bought was an F-150, a pickup truck, and I, I drove it for 12 years. It was my favorite car. You know, I had these all these kids and married, and I had to get a you know a regular car, and I still mourn it, as you can see. I never forget where I was. I was uh, sitting in an office in St. Louis when I read that they were going to make F-150 electric, and I thought, what is this? Who, who are these people? Uh, it's Look, it's a disaster in every way. And now, a good thing in America, I don't know if it's worldwide, but in America, we're less bound right now by the political correctness. You can say electric vehicles, it's just a joke. It doesn't work. We don't have the money to subsidize it. If we had all the money in the world, we could subsidize it. We don't. We don't. We're owed too much money and we've got inflation and everything else. And so now these companies are saying, I'd rather exist in five years, Ford, or then, then be feel like you guys like me, and uh, and so they're making those moves. And I think the American people, you know, I'm kind of intrigued. By the way, I, I like the idea of hybrids that, that actually that the ones that will you know run a battery, the the, the automobile, the, the engine, the gas engine will charge a battery, and you go back and forth. I think that kind of creativity, if it's efficient, sustainable, Ed, that's exactly. sustainable. Exactly, exactly. That's right. So, but I, I think it's a, I think it's an admission by Ford that the system's not working. And again, I think Americans are uh, are in that. Having said all that, Tesla, because of Musk, is more popular than ever. And and people people think the cars are are fun and great, and they're willing to pay uh, higher you know money for them per vehicle. Uh, and so that's still there. Now I joke with people. I, I like Elon Musk, but he made his money using all the subsidies that we all know that <laughs> are bad for the economy. I mean he he. He got ton, million, billions of dollars to do these electric cars, especially five, seven, eight years ago. He's against it now because he's already in the market and he's already had it funded. But that's another story for another day. It's like your friends or your um, <laughs> uh, business associates who have set up those wind farms and then flip it <laughs> yeah. and walk yeah, away. It's exactly, the same exactly. kind of thing. It's been a rort, a legal rort for so long. Yeah. And I just wonder whether, you know, America is ready to put up with more of this garbage especially yeah. now that the market has actually fallen on its backside. Now, yeah. according to a new California state analysis released on Wednesday, funding from gas taxes will drop by nearly $6 billion in the next mm. decade due to the state's electric car rules and other climate programs, quote, likely resulting in a decline in highway conditions for drivers, unquote. How will the heavy <laughs> electric vehicles navigate roads full of potholes. There's another well, impractical 
symptom of electric well, vehicles. The, the only the only thing is, uh, you know, history can teach us, Chris. I think what's more likely in California is they actually have some of the lower property taxes. If you're a longtime resident, it's a, it's a Proposition 13 from the late 1970s. And I think and my in-laws live in California. Pretty good property taxes. They're going to raise their taxes. They, 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 every time California gets in a jam, they raise more taxes. Now, they spend it on stupid stuff. And to your point, they won't spend it on the roads. The other problem, though, nobody talks about this, Chris. COVID, the pandemic, was an opportunity for the federal government to bail out states. And, and states like California got billions and billions of dollars transferred to cover these stupid decisions. So I, I somehow doubt that the <laughs> that they'll pay the price that they should for this stupidity and corruption. But as you point out, I hope we're getting, I hope we're learning, and I hope that we're going to make some decisions to go in a different direction. And look, Trump said, you know, he's made this great, great joke. They, they call him a dictator. He says, I'm only be a dictator for one day. And he laughs. And then he says, I'm going to build the wall and I'm going to drill, baby, drill. When America gets a president that will drill and get all the oil we have, we have oil in Pennsylvania. We have oil all over the country and we'll, we'll be energy independent. Costs will go way down and people will think I'll have three F-150s running on gas and diesel all over the place. There's nothing wrong with a bit of carbon pride. Ed. <laughs> That's nothing right. Wrong at all. It's <laughs> a good and Can I just briefly ask how does uh, Ed Martin spend Christmas with family? You know, this year we're, we're uh, batting down at our home here. My family is uh, about 300 miles away. We'll see them on the day after. Uh, my wife's family, as I mentioned, is in California. I live uh, in Virginia. So we'll have a family. There's there's uh, four kids and my wife and I. So uh, it'll be pretty quiet. But we'll have uh, we're just we're having a bit of a debate in the family because, uh, uh, you know, the Sunday be, it, Christmas Eve is a Sunday. And so the kids are now lobbying that that should count as as church for Christmas Day. And so we're having to fight this out. You know how it is negotiating, uh, uh. Nego <laughs> negotiating with uh, with children. But anyway, but we'll be here and we'll be very uh, blessed. So thank you for asking. And I hope everybody uh, that in, in your world and uh, your listeners and uh, have a very blessed Christmas. You have been an inspiration. And thank you very much for being part of what is TNT Radio. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Ed. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. God bless. God Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund, who we love having on this program. We're going to take a break now and come back and take your calls and plenty more to uh, inform you of. There's so much happening in the world in reference to news. We'll get there right after a break on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Apparently, the climate cabal is freaking out. From Al Gore to John Kerry and down to the oddest imported student radical, they're freaking out over the final text as the climate talks in Dubai near their conclusion. At issue is whether the outcome will call for the phase-out of fossil fuels or merely call for fossil fuel reduction and similar, as they put it, weasel words. Either term will leave nations with tons of wiggle room to avoid or delay destroying their economies through energy starvation. And that's the big question. Do you want to starve because you have no energy? Or do you want to continue to eat because you do have energy? Hmm, that is an interesting question. I wonder which one I would choose. As veterans of the UN climate process since the whole shebang began, taking a look at this, we've seen this play out before. No matter what happens, the conference officials will emerge bleary-eyed and proclaim a major victory, leaving it up to the rest of us to sort through what happened and figure it out. Often, as is likely this time, the conference ends in de facto collapse. In fact, Al Gore, that's right, the high priest, said that the conference is on the verge of complete failure 
because he wants fossil fuels phased out completely. <sighs> I wish Al Gore the best. I hope him a long life, but I wish his presence on the world stage would be phased out. If they could actually agree on that, then it would be a success. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if you're not in Dubai. It's the only weather you got. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Where the story goes, we follow Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Good to have your company. I tell you what, there's a lot happening, but also there's a, a lot of chat on our chat box on TNTradio.live. Just in reference to Vivek Ramaswamy, we spoke with Ed Martin about him and his performance in that town hall debate. Well, it was really Q&A from the floor on CNN uh, and Boiler Room has added his or her comments to the chat box. Vivek Ramaswamy is just another sideshow. He will be no better than the current peddlers of rhetoric. Like a dealer of street-level contraband, he shows us one thing, it will deliver another, look into his backing, and all will be revealed. Now, as for the parrot that has got in the way of the Tasmanian wind farm, well did get in the way and may get in the way again. Uh, Boiler Room says, if I identify as an orange belly parrot, will that stop wind factories going up in my uh, my area? It's all boondoggle for the hoopla heads delivered from the Snollygoster. I think we understand that completely. Uh, one here from Tim. Tim says, Smithy, I just went up to a farm at Iron Pot in Queensland to pick up some things I bought at auction. It is right next to AGL's wind farm. The farmer was telling me that when the wind stops, they burn diesel in generators so they still have electricity to sell. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? Well, it defeats the purpose if you think that CO2 is the baddie. <laughs> like, seriously. 
Oh, dear. And a stack of other comments too, but by all means, jump on tntlive.live and you can see the chat box there on the left-hand side. Just press the little ladder, as they say, and uh, go for your life. But more importantly, you'll get VIP status if you jump on one of our talkback lines from the United States or Canada, one 201 From the UK, 033-0024-1026. Love to hear from our friends very early in the morning in the UK. And from Australia and New Zealand, one 800 Well, this is quite an incredible story, a truly incredible story from the UK. According to The Telegraph, a British boy who went missing in Spain six years ago has been found alive and well after escaping from a spiritual community in France. Six years. Alex Batty from Oldham, Lancashire, was 11 when he did not return from a family holiday near Barbella with his mother, Melanie Batty, then 37, and his grandfather, David Batty, 58. This is back in 2017. His grandmother and legal guardian, Susan Caruana, said in 2018, she believed Alex may have been taken to Morocco as part of his mother's pursuit of an alternative lifestyle. She had taken him to a commune there on a previous trip. Prosecutor said the teenager, now 17, had been found near Toulouse after escaping a rural community. The boy reportedly said he had not been trapped in the commune, but wanted to set his own path. The boy had spent days hiking across the Pyrenees Mountains, they said, before being picked up by a lorry driver who took him to a police station near Toulouse. He reportedly told the driver that his mother kidnapped him. Since then, he had lived in Spain in a luxury house with around 10 people for three years. The boy's identity was confirmed by the family after a photographic comparison by police, but after six years, he is free and in good health too. What an incredible period of time in his life to be cooped up in a house with a whole heap of others and uh, I guess we'll only hear the real story about what he was exposed to as the time moves on. Now, I love a good spy story. I find it intriguing that someone would spend their life sp spying on others, reporting to another country, and then do the flip and then spy against the country they previously gave information to. I find that astonishing and dangerous. But here is a classic spy story being carried out right now in the courts in Europe. And according to the New York Times today, have a listen to this. To hear the federal prosecutor tell it, the case was a story straight out of a spy thriller. An unremarkable seeming manager at German's foreign intelligence agency selling highly classified material to Russia's secret service even as war raged in Ukraine with a globe-trotting diamond dealer as a go-between. Wow. They don't write Bond as good as this stuff. Both men face charges of high treason, carrying potential sentences to life imprisonment in a closely watched and even more closely guarded trial that began this week before a panel of five judges in Berlin's highest criminal court. The case scheduled to last into the summer 
caps one of the gravest espionage scandals in recent German history, one that has shredded the confidence of Germany's partners in the security of its intelligence. Don't tell the Germans anything is what this concludes. The intelligence worker accused of selling secrets has been named under German privacy rules as Carsten L., a 53-year-old retired officer who worked at Germany's Federal Intelligence Service, or BND, as a director of technical reconnaissance. Um, the man accused of ferrying the secrets has been identified as Arthur E., a 32-year-old self-employed entrepreneur. He must be the diamond dealer. Public access to a portion of the trial will be limited because of the sensitive security details under discussion. The judges ruled that three full pages of the 13-page indictment could not be read in public court because it would reveal state secrets. Look, I actually think that when things go so pear-shaped in intelligence and spy uh, and the spy sector, you've got to hear the detail. We should be entitled to the detail. If they're toying with international secrets and selling them to another nation, we should be entitled to know, or in this case, the Germans should be entitled to know what was sold and whose information was uh, trafficked. But anyway, we'll see how that pans out. Tony Blair has uh, been accused of some devious dealings in the last 24 hours. You may have cottoned on to this story already. Tony Blair banned fox hunting. You might recall it was a huge deal in England at the time when he was Prime Minister, but apparently um, some people have done some digging and discovered that he banned fox hunting after receiving a £1 million donation to his Labor Party from an animal rights group, according to Peter Mandelson. Now, the former business secretary claimed the organisation put the then Labor leader under pressure to ban the countryside pursuit. One, that, that's a lot of money, $1 million in donations to the Labor Party. He said the debate got pretty transactional and said the animal rights body insisted on the ban in return for money. The Labor peer did not identify the group involved but in 1996, animal rights campaigner Brian Davies, who founded the International Fund for Animal Welfare, gave the party £1 million. A spokeswoman for Sir Tony said yesterday that there was no such agreement and that there were a lot of people with passionate views on the subject. Lord Mandelson, seen as the architect of New Labour's victory in 1997, made his claims on the Times radio podcast, How to Win an Election. As part of a discussion over whether donors had put parties under pressure to change policy, of course that happens, he said, I can offer you an example from 1997 when an organisation, it was a fund to do with the welfare of animals, got pretty transactional with us. It was the first and last time I remember this. They wanted a ban on hunting in return for a very sizable amount of money. And Blair and co were sort of reluctant, obviously, to enter into some sort of trade over this policy. However, he said, there were a lot of people in the party who wanted that ban. There are a lot of MPs coming and demanding it. And we got it into a difficult situation where, frankly, we went a little bit too far further than Blair wanted in making this commitment to our manifesto. It was frankly under not duress, but under some sort of pressure, 
It wasn't attractive and it's not to be repeated. How's that? Tony Blair, he denies it's happening, but I remember the absolute chaos of making a decision like that and Labor upset the elite, uh, the hunting elite uh, grossly in those days. I remember back on this, but we never heard about any payment like $1 million to the Labor Party, but we have now as spilled by one of his uh, lieutenant, Lord Mandelson. I've got to take a break. After the break, we'll catch up with award-winning newsman, Jason Morrison. We'll talk about the big stories making news in Australia. And Shane Healy too. What's going on on the ground in Gaza? And are we about to see terror come to Western continents because of the Middle Eastern conflict? All coming up after the news on TNT Radio. TNT Radio. 